All right. Well, um, I will say welcome to the listeners. Um, this is uh, 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 an episode of Unlocking Human Potential with Greg Klamanzer, and today my guest is uh, Deb uh, Pam Debs, excuse me. And um, Pam and I um, are fellow uh, practitioners and coaches, and um, I just I always enjoy uh, uh, Pam's lightheartedness and her wisdom, and uh, so. The theme of this is really talking about being with uh, the unknown right now, or being um, with not knowing. And uh, we're just going to give you, the listener, an opportunity to listen in to uh, two coaches having a friendly conversation, what they're seeing in the world of business, life, relationships, and everything in between and beyond. <laughs> so that's how's that sound, Pam? <laughs> that sounds epic. Greg, I'm I'm so happy to to chat with you and um, yeah yeah and and what I'm amazed by is is our bloody brilliance because you know you and I spoke a couple of months ago I think and we came up with this topic that we thought might be helpful without really at that time having any idea of what we would be looking at all of us in terms of being with not knowing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I'm, you know, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm struck by, you know, just for me, how present I have been to my thinking, wanting to take me into lots of what if scenarios, you know, with everything that's going on with COVID-19, um, you know, like just the other day, you know, my thinking really wanted me to take me into uh, the fact that my 88 year old dad is in London on his own and my brother's in Italy, my sister's in Calgary and I'm here and, and we wouldn't be able to get back to him right now very easily. Um, and he has heart and lung issues and, and you know, I could just feel, you know, the the, the anxiety that 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 line of thinking yeah. <laughs> produced, you know, um, and I called it, you know, as you know, and, and even even the thought you should have a conversation with him about that, and I and then you know I'm I'm just like oh no why would I why would I do that you know like and so what what then occurred to me as I kind of caught myself what then occurred to me was, um, you know, my, my job right now with my dad is to call him a lot and um, make him laugh. And, and so I've been, you know, just spending time with him on the phone and he's been reminiscing about, you know, his childhood in Dublin and, you know, just, I don't know, this, it's been just a really, I, I've had more time to do things like that and so I'm also present to just so many things I'm appreciating about what this situation has created in my own world yeah. so it's well, all of it I love what you're saying and I, I you know what what's really hitting me is that there's life you know for you and there's thoughts about what's going on and there's thoughts about your dad and then there's some um, there's a certain type of thought that doesn't make any sense to you anymore. And there's a wisdom within you that's self-correcting. And I, I really want to highlight that. 
and and I want I'd love to hear more about see for you and I you know that makes real real sense to me I'm like oh I can see what I can see what she's done I can see that the self-correcting mechanism I see the wisdom that's occurring but like if maybe you could break that down and tell us what you saw why you thought it wasn't helpful and what your wisdom was in that moment. So if we kind of hit the replay, that I thought I think that would be really cool. Yeah. 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 I Yeah, and and you know the the wake up for me as I know it is for many many people once we know this is the wake up, right? Is whenever my what I call my feelings go south you know, so when I started to feel that agitation, and for me, it's, you know, it was very much in my stomach, you know, just like, you know, just I could feel this sort of agitation and um, anxiety um, was my wake up call that something's gone south in my thinking. Right, right. You know, so that was the first thing was as I do the replay, you know, was that that real, that real sense of, it's kind of for me how it, <laughs> I hope this makes sense, but help, help me have it make sense. Um, it's like I, what occurred to me is that I'm on to the fact that I'm not onto anything. Mm. So it looks like my thinking is onto something, right? There's a sort of quality of, Oh, this is juicy. We need to look here. You know, it's, it's, you know, um, it's important and urgent that you look in this direction and try and figure this thing out about your dad. Right. So it, it has that sort of quality of looking like it's pointing me in a helpful place and the urgency and the importance is also a sign that I'm not onto anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, a sign I do. That... I, do. I do. Yeah. I saw something similar this morning and it, it, it was more around the feeling side of things, but it's like, oh my God, I'm trusting my thinking when it doesn't feel good. Like, like if people could see the fact that, oh my God, I'm trusting, I'm trusting bad thought and how I know it's bad thought is my stomach is bothering me. Something's off, but I trust it. I was just talking to somebody this morning, Pam. It, 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 it's like I had an insight this morning about feeling. And I didn't know. <laughs> I never really knew anything. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I didn't, I didn't know anything about feelings. You know, when I was young, I was very sensitive. And then I just numbed out about them all. And then I got really involved in like men's work. And it was all about uncovering these feelings and digging around and interventions and all this stuff. And I had this insight this morning. It's like, well, why would I actually trust any of my feelings? Yeah. You know? Why would I, why would I trust them? Mm. And, and um, so kind of what you're saying here, it's like the, the problem for me was I took my thoughts too serious mm. and I took my feelings too serious and I reacted to them all day long, all day long. Yeah. And, and then what I saw is, I saw the wisdom where people said, there's a, there, you know, you want to learn to respect your feelings, but I'm seeing that there's a deeper feeling that I want to respect, not the, the kind of above the line feelings, the wavy feelings, like, 
Like those ones are just kind of giving me some, a real binary hot and cold, <laughs> you know? Yeah. But if it, and if it doesn't feel good, why in the world would I trust, trust that, that for one? And number two is, if it really feels good, why would I trust that either? And so, because I've seen, I, I've seen myself and clients, when they're in a high feeling, they make really shitty decisions too. Yes. So I'm not really interested in trusting those feelings so much anymore. Like yeah. there's something underneath there, and that's kind of what we're talking about. There's a not knowing. There's yeah. an uncertainty. There's a space within. There's something fertile there that has a feeling to it. And that's what I'm having more and more respect for and trusting, not these other feelings. So that was, right. that's hot off the press this morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and you know what, that has me think about, Greg, as I do the replay about what was going on around, you know, my dad is that when I caught on to, oh, I'm onto the fact that I'm not onto anything in my thinking, and, and I've noticed this, this is, is common for me, is that when I catch that, and, you know, I just love everybody to know that, you know, I don't catch it every time, you know, <laughs> and, and when I do, um, like in that situation, there was then this different idea that came from a different place, that had a different quality and a different feeling that you're describing. And it was that idea that, oh, right now, what, what would be really helpful for you and your dad, you know, for me and my dad would be to just be with him, you know, in, in more often and, and, and just spend time with him on the phone. And that had such a different feeling to it. Like, um, so, so for me, it's been helpful to, to distinguish the, the difference in the quality of that. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, it makes total sense. I get it. What, I, what I'm hearing is that, um, you know, reaching out to your dad could be from a place of fear or reaction, or there's a deeper feeling and then, and then, moving closer to him from wisdom or common sense but it's coming from love it's coming from it's a it's a different driver if you will is what i'm hearing yeah, yeah. and it and it feels really different and i also also notice that the inspiration or ideas i get from that place um they're slower they have a neutrality to them I always find this hard to describe. <laughs> so yeah, it's a feeling, isn't it? Yeah. It's really hard to describe, but even as you're talking, um, I love the way that you're talking right now and it has such a lovely feeling to it that I don't really need words. You know? <laughs> right. and, and even though I might be speaking a little bit faster, I st I'm still in a lovely feeling. Like, even, okay. like even what, here's the other thing I found is that I found that, yeah, if I talk slower, I do have a nice feeling, but I, I'm not limited to talking slower to be in a nice feeling. That, yeah. was really, that was really insightful for me because as I started to hang around this understanding, I thought, oh, I need to always talk slower. <laughs> yeah. 
I did. I did. I thought that's the right way to do it. And it's like, no, I just have to be in a nice feeling. And it doesn't matter if I talk fast or slow. Yes, yeah. sometimes it will help, particularly if another person or a listener has a really busy mind. Talking slow can be really helpful. But there's always a feeling underneath all communication. Mm. That's what's affecting people. Absolutely. Not, not the speed, yeah. not the content, but it's the, it's the place in which it's, which it's originating from. Yeah. And, and I don't want to skip over something really profound that, that you said, um, in case neither of us say anything else profound. No, <laughs> uh, no, but I don't want to skip over you. You mentioned about, um, when you, and you've noticed with your clients too, is that when you're in this sort of heightened, um, positive state, that that's also a place where people can make crappy decisions. True. You know, so any, any extreme, I get really curious about. <laughs> you know, I've learned that. Vicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it can really look, it can look like, when 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 I first came across this understanding, um, you know, it first looked to me that oh great, I was now identifying when everything had gone south. You know, my thinking and my feelings had gone south, and then I was looking for the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 now it looks to me, you know, it looks really different to me mm-hmm. because there's there's more. Um, I also know that I'm not onto anything in my thinking when I'm in that heightened, what I would kind of call for me, it feels a bit giddy that, you know, um, I think I used to spend a quite a bit of time there. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, what's occurring to me right now is, um, for anyone that's still listening, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's like what the heck are these guys talking about maybe we should give some sort of prize listen to the end yeah well that that, yeah prize listen to the end yeah (laughs) a stimulus package (laughs) Uh, you know i think what i'm hearing is (laughs) out there people are having a really different experience than i am Yes. That's what I'm hearing. And, and like when people ask me, I say, well, how are you doing? I said, well, God, you know, I'm, I'm doing really well. And I'm really human, though. When I turn on the news or I hear somebody really bummed out, it really affects me. I notice it really affects me because that's how it works. Yeah. That's how things work. So I'm pretty mindful of that, you know. And it's kind of like with your dad and that feeling when I, when I get really engaged and worked up in something that I don't have any control over or a lot of uh, misinformation or conflicting information or a lot of stuff out there um, that I really have no business in, you know, I can be, there's what I call a level of informed, but then there's this step beyond that, you know, of obsessing. And, 
And so what I've noticed is if I, I'm human, if I, if I give that too much of attention, yeah. I will contract, I'll get that tummy thing that you were talking about. And I just have learned to turn it off much quicker because this nice, like I was, I've been, sh people ask me, say, well, how are you doing, Greg? I said, well, I'm experiencing moments of peace, moments of clarity, moments of gratitude, and, and really moments of love and understanding and beauty. And the key is there are moments, it could pass at any time, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm really cherishing the moments that I'm having. And it seems the more I cherish those, they, they, they almost like a snowball, you know? Yeah. Um, they're, not, they're not a given. They're not certain that they're moments and I'm really appreciating those. So uh, well, I love Greg that you're pointing to is because it would be so easy to discount those as even you being delusional, you know, like right now, who should be feeling that with yeah, everything yeah. we've got going on, you know, like, um, and that, and that of course, you know, the, you know, I've studied a lot of neuroscience and, you know, there was a neuroscience um, teacher that once shared with us that for the brain, um, negative thoughts are like Velcro. They're very sticky because the brain is wired for threat. So it's constantly looking at what's threatening in the world. And right now it's, got a lot of opportunity to feed a lot of thinking about why this is threatening and why we should run a lot of what if scenarios um and that positive thoughts are more like teflon and so you know it's interesting to to sort of think about i kind of experience i know it used to be for me that it was just so easy to sort of gloss over the grateful moments, the compassionate moments, the loving moments, you know, and really hone in on the, the stickier negative, you know, like um, they, they're so grabby, those ones, you know. <laughs> and so I love that you, that, because I think for a lot of people, they, it would be easy to miss right now Mm -hmm. those moments of um, connection, you know, people are spending a lot more time with their families true. That's and, true. you know, they might talk more about the discord, you know, or the um, conflict that might be happening um, and not about those moments of connection and um, compassion with each other and, and love. Yeah. Uh, but it would be easy, right? Because we kind of taught ourselves to focus more and chat and complain about those things. Mm -hmm. um, so I love that there's just an invitation in what I hear you saying, Greg, you know, to... Well, you know what, what um, it's getting confirmed is this understanding that you and I are engaged in. And it's like, like somebody says, like, what I see in the world is I'm so hopeful. I see humanity coming together and I see so much kindness. And I also realize that there's probably 5 billion other people that are aware of this coronavirus now that are having their own unique experiences that may be seeing something other than that. That's what's really fascinating is that 
um, it, the, the understanding that we're in is being confirmed right now with so many separate realities about what's going on from conspiracy theories to uh, the planet healing itself to uh, it's the end of time, it's apocalyptic, like everybody's in their own reality. Mm. That's just fascinating to me. Yeah, and even the reality. It's also indicative. What people see is indicative of their level of consciousness. Yeah. You know? That's fascinating to me. And, and for me, that it, it's become apparent that, that there are two viruses. You know, one is, one is COVID-19, yeah. which has our attention, as it should. And the other is the panic or fear about COVID-19. Yeah. And the, the second virus is optional. That's how it looks to me. Mm-hmm. And it might be moment to moment optional. Right. You know, but I think it's helpful to see the difference because it can look to us like the the panic about COVID-19 and the fear about it is keeping us safe. Mm-hmm. And so we, we then sort of point our imagination with our, you know, we go into the what ifs and then we use our wonderful, powerful imaginations to create all of these future scenarios um, in, in this illusion that that's going to keep us safer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. I think if, you know, for me, what I, what I started to see is, is the power of the mind and the misuse of thought and the, and, 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 and the, and the proper use or a, a nicer use of thought and imagination is a powerful thing. But you add imagination to fear and you get terror, you get anxiety, you get stress. You add imagination to love and understanding, you get possibility. You get, you get a, a, a future that looks uh, bright and is hopeful. So that, yeah. that's, the, that's a proper use of imagination in my mind. Isn't it? And, and what I've seen... Um, you know, I run another business as well as coaching with my husband that's around TV and film uh, production around aviation stories. Um, why run one business when you can run two? You know, I mean, that makes sense, right? Um, and so most of our um, productions that we had lined up for this year have been cancelled. And like many people who are listening, well, maybe we have one listener left, Greg. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my dad might listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, um, what's been really interesting is how in that place of imagination around love and, and understanding, like understanding our clients' needs to change things and um, what's been really cool for my husband and I is that we have been extraordinarily creative in this time. Like we are having the most, dare I say it myself, brilliant ideas that we haven't had before this for our business, you know? So I'm not saying, you know, we haven't had any brilliant ideas, but there's the necessity of what we're in when we don't put our imagination towards the what ifs in the fear realm, 
And, and when I say not doing it, it's not like those thoughts never occur to me because they do, but I know not to follow them and go there and, and build on them and give them weight mm -hmm. and make them data. Mm -hmm. So what's happened because I know that, and I'm so grateful that I know that, you know, I, but because I know that what's been interesting that's happened is all of this sort of creativity. So the imagination is being used to create from this place. So, you know, my husband's going to start a podcast and he's going to interview uh, aviators and he has a, you know, a network that he's built for 30 years of the most amazing people who right now have a lot of time on their hands mm. to be interviewed, mm. you know, because nobody's flying mm. really. <laughs> so um, one more, I have one. I have a, a friend of mine who's um, an aviator as well. So if he needs anybody uh, else, it sounds like he's well, the, the idea is that it's, it, it's the listener would be list, sort of hearing him having chats with his mates. You know, it's people that he's worked with and flown with who have done all these incredible, um, uh, incredible sort of aerial photography missions with him. Because his, his big specialty is uh, he's basically in one plane filming other planes in flight. So sometimes he's hanging out of doorways, you know, with the door off the plane. And, um, and so he's, you know, been he's come across and, you know, met just the most amazing people on that journey. And even just when we started to write a list of who he might interview, it was amazing. It was kind of like a really great trip down memory lane for us to what about the time when, you know, you did this and he did this and, you know, all these great stories. And, um, but it was also a sort of like, wow, look at how many people, you know, and um, what, what would, be incredible to share their stories with the world and how inspiring that would be. And most of the air shows are probably going to be canceled for the season. And so those enthusiasts are looking for places to get some entertainment yeah. and lightness and relief. Mm. And, you know, it was just this sort of seeing that we could be of service. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I call that pivoting in uncertain times, you know, yeah. pivoting really. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people are talking about uncertainty, you know, and, and, and what, you know, what advice, you know, we might be able to give people living with uncertainty. Cause you know, I think uncertainty and not knowing or kissing cousins. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they really, they really are. But you know, I, I think what, what would be helpful is like my relationship with uncertainty and not knowing isn't what it is today. It's radically different today. And I, I was wondering like, if you looked within your own life, Pam, like what did uncertainty and not knowing look like for you before the understanding? Mm. And then what does it look like now? Because you know, somebody told me a long time ago, they said, Greg, you just sound like you got it two together, you know, and then they heard some of my stories, you know, and they go, oh my God. And, and they said, you should tell your stories more, Greg, because that'd make you a lot more relatable, you know? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, 
Pam, you know, with her, uh, what was her relationship with uncertainty and not knowing, you know, mm. kind of a tell on yourself. And, I'd love to tell on myself. And then, and then how has that changed for you with, with mm. this understanding? So um, I think that would be helpful for people to hear in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, the other piece I'd like to speak to Greg, I'm going to name it just so I don't forget is around humor. Humor. Oh, um, yeah as a, as a resiliency tool that is innate in all of us. So I'd love, I'd love us to just, um, yeah, we can we'll definitely talk yeah. about that as well. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, so for me, how it looked was it was something to manage. So I was constantly assessing and I, and Greg, this was so interesting because I didn't know I was doing this until it stopped happening. And it stopped happening after a four-day intensive with Dick and Bettinger. <laughs> but I didn't know this was happening before that, and it's been happening for decades. And what it was was this constant assessment that was going on about how I was doing. And a lot of the assessment was around controlling things, like even, even like how productive I'm being, you know, like, so this constant assessment, the way it would sound in my head is uh, you better pick up the pace. You're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not on top of things and it's going to get out of control. You know, the, the behind the scenes was you can't let this get out of control. So I would say I was kind of on the, if there was a spectrum, I was on the control freak end, you know, yeah. uh, but it wouldn't have looked like that from outside because it was this internal chatter and noise constantly assessing how Pam was doing around whether or not she had it together um, and also whether it looked like I had it together you know like um, there was a lot of managing the perceptions that others had of me of whether I was in control and had it together yeah. um, and so there was a lot of sort of performing and perfecting and what I would call hustle you know like um, but it wouldn't have looked like that, you know, like, so, so really I was very artful mm. not without knowing it, but this assessment that was you had a good act going is what you're saying. I had a great act going <laughs> even to myself. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. You know, Cause I used to teach mindfulness and I'll give you an example of this, Greg, yeah. um, talk about telling tales on myself, but just before we left the UK, um, Listeners may, the really smart ones may notice a very slight accent. But just before we left the UK and came to move to the US, I was doing grocery shopping one day. And I came home and my husband was helping me unload. And he, um, he picks up dog food. Now, we don't have a dog. Um, and he looks at me and says, dog food? And I'm like, oh, and then he picks up baby nappies, diapers, and we don't have kids. And so what had happened is I had gone around the grocery store and somewhere at the end of my shopping trip, I had picked up someone else's cart. I had then taken each item out of the cart, put it on the checkout belt. I had then bagged each item, so I picked it up a second time. 
I had also paid for somebody else's groceries. And then I had gone home without knowing that I had paid, I had basically picked up somebody else's groceries. I mean, it's just a good job. There wasn't a baby in the car because I would have taken the baby, put them in the bag, you know, come home. How would I explain that one? You know, well, you look good the whole time. You look like you I had know. it together, right? <laughs> great. But here's the thing. So think about how much, and I know what was going on because I now know the difference is this assessment. What have I got to do next? What's this? When, when, when is that going to happen? How are we going to manage that? How are we going to navigate that? But it was all of this planning and what if scenario managing so that I was fully prepared for every eventuality. It's like, come on, I've got it, you know, throw it at me. Cause you know, I've already figured out how we can deal with it, you know, and, and this constant, constant assessment that was going on that had me really be disconnected to myself, to people, you know, relationships and to the present. Uh, so yeah, that talk about on the end of the control freak spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so now there's just such a difference in, and I remember like this one day where I woke up and it was about two o'clock in the afternoon and I'd had, you know, pretty interesting day, you know, work with clients. And, and I suddenly realized something was different and it felt like something was wrong initially, but for some reason I wasn't aware of this assessment. And, and it seemed to me like it just sort of disappeared overnight. And I didn't even know that that was running before that moment, before it, looked to me like it vanished. Um, and I don't know whether it did vanish, Greg, or whether I just stopped paying attention to it. Mm-hmm. it I experienced it as if it vanished. Yeah. yeah but yeah. that doesn't, you know. So, yeah. What, what's your, what's, what's your <laughs> tell on Greg story? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a recovering control freak and a recovering know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> And, and so, you know, I got, I got two strikes going for me there. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, You're such an overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I was sitting here and I, I was thinking about like uncertainty. Like I really, I, I start to get a little worked up right now. Cause I, I see something I hadn't seen before. Like there was some life events early on for me. Um, my dad did two, two tours in Vietnam and ended up leaving my mom with uh, three kids, me being the oldest when I was young. And, and, um, and there was some uncertainty there. And I just, it was, it was traumatic for me. It wasn't Mm. like, I, I didn't see this till right now. Like I, from a very young age, uh, like being uncertain and not knowing wasn't a good thing. There was a lot of pain associated with it. I never saw that till right now. And, um, and then, you know, uh, after that, um, shortly after that, my mother remarried. And, um, so what was kind of a known in terms of a family system was very unknown now because there was new players. I had stepbrothers and stepsisters and, and it was just, it was, uh, it was unsettling for me really. And then, um, shortly after that, uh, my mother remarried, uh, my sister who was four and a half years younger than me died of leukemia. 
You know? wow. So I had all these things that, that happened and, um, and I didn't have any answers to it. It was mm -hmm. like, and I, I didn't like that. I didn't, it was a horrible feeling. And so in hindsight, I look back is that I really wanted certainty and I really wanted to know as a way to never experience those horrible feelings again. Mm. And I never saw that. I never really put it together in, in, in the way I'm putting it together now. And um, so you could say I had a really unhealthy relationship throughout my early years, all the way up into, you know, my uh, mid to late twenties. Mm. And uh, I, could not stand the thought of not knowing something or being uncertain. So what that did is it kept my world very small. If I didn't know something, I wouldn't get into a, into a, I wouldn't get anything that would challenge that. I needed to be the smartest guy in the room or whatever mm. it was. So my world became very small mm. because I couldn't, I didn't dare not know. Okay. Mm. And then I also became a voracious learner. I became passionate about learning because I figured the more I learned, the more I know, the more I would, not never not know so right. but it was a you know what what i learned you know is that or what i've discovered throughout the years is that the kind of learning that i was learning ultimately wasn't very helpful mm. because it was all intellectual it was all it was all kind of preparing as a pre preventative measure yeah but it wasn't until i came to the principles and understanding that i started to see that there's a different knowing that I hadn't had a lot of respect for. And as a, and like much like you, I don't know how it happened or when it happened, but suddenly I started to realize I started to have a new relationship with uncertainty and not knowing mm -hmm. such to the, such to the extent that I have come to not just respect, but adore uncertainty into mm -hmm. it or not knowing mm. and to actually find that that's where the real juice is for me. Mm. And I've always loved learning. So I, I couldn't be happier because I've found the real way to learn and the real way to um, uh, unearth, you know, or unlock true knowledge, uh, not just uh, feeding my intellect as mm -hmm as a way to cover up my insecurities of never wanting to be, uh, to not know. Because, you know, one of the things about not, not knowing that I've discovered when I look within is like, it was just, it brought up so much insecurity for me. It made me feel stupid. It made me feel silly. I, I, I felt embarrassed. I struggled with that for um, a lot of my life up until, um, you know, my young adult life. So it was something to be avoided at all cost is to um, not feel embarrassed or vulnerable or anything. And I, and I, and I think that's, I could imagine people really relating to this, Greg, right now is because that, you know, it looks, it could look like being with the not knowing is unsafe right now. Mm -hmm. Like it wouldn't be a good idea. Yeah. But what that, has me think about is you know this you know and this this part of my learning and the understanding is I feel really tender to because it was such a huge insight for me but to really know that my insight 
is reliable and my resilience is reliable in any future moment. Mm. To know it in my core, like not just an intellectual idea that we're resilient, but to I really know that in any future moment, I am going to have ideas about what to do that I couldn't possibly know in this moment ahead of time. So it makes no sense for me to run the what ifs now. Because I, you know, the future is an incomplete equation because I can't know in advance what my brilliance is going to be in that moment. And maybe the brilliance will be to do nothing. Those nudges have been just as helpful, you know, but I can rely on it. I can rely on something occurring to me, it being responsive in that future moment. And so that has me take so much off my mind. You know, there's a sort of resting in that, that, oh my God, it has, it's just been, it really has touched me. Well, what's coming up for me right now, Pam, is maybe talking a little bit about resilience and then putting a cherry on this with a little humor. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I know we share some uh, mentors of this understanding. And um, uh, I think uh, I, earlier I said that um, innate resilience has been alive for me um, or in coming alive for me. And as you were talking right now, talking about resilience, it, 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 my, I really have ears for that right now and eyes for that. And um, I remember uh, a mentor in the, in, the, in the understanding making a big deal of innate resilience. And I, I couldn't figure out why they're making such a big deal of it. And, uh, and I didn't even really know what they were talking about. I, I, I'd heard the words before, but no one I, I in fact probably for a couple of years they talked about it and I'm like it went in one ear and out the other you know and so it, it started to wake up within me but um you know as we were talking and I was sharing a little bit about my backstory and I I had to look within my own life what do I know about resilience and at first I said well I don't know anything but then after the few things that I've shared with you here, and, and, and there's much more, I started to look back. I go, well, the fact that I'm here and I got through all of these life events is proof that and resilience is innate or I wouldn't be here, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what they're talking about. Mm. And, and so, yeah, I've been through bankruptcy, I've been through divorce, I've been through loss, I've been through identity crisis and, and law and, and career transition and all these things. And, and in the moment, it, it just felt like, oh my God, uh, I'll never bounce back from this. I'll, in the moment, it feels like um, there's, the future is just going to be more of the same terror. That's what it looks like in the moment. It's only hindsight that I can go, oh, shit, that was my resilience that got me through. And it really wasn't even anything I did. There's something else that got me through. Got me through. So um, 
that's what I have to say. I'd love to hear your thoughts or comments. I, you know, that, what I, I want to highlight in that is how easy it is to dismiss or not even look to the evidence that is there for all of us. Yeah. Right. And how easy it is to maybe dismiss that as, oh, I just got lucky that I managed to get through that or, you know, well, that was because someone else helped me or, you know, whatever we might, whatever way we might be able to sort of dismiss it um, or argue against it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. how helpful it is to see how, how resilient and, and that we do, we all have proof of that. Yeah. When we look Here's back. something really embarrassing is I've been coaching for about 27 years, Pam, and for a long time, I can see, I almost burnt myself out a few times. And it's because I didn't see the innate resilience in all human beings. And you know what happens with a, when a coach doesn't see the innate resilience in another human being? Is they keep the client really busy and they have a lot of pressure on themselves to get things, to make things happen. Yep. And I can't tell you what a, 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 a lifesaver this understanding has been to invigorate my practice again, to get better results with clients and to have uh, an infinite level of more fun and joy in it. Because I see that everybody's sitting on innate resilience, just like I was. It's just unrecognized. That's yeah. it. And the more people start to recognize it, the more it comes forward, the more it's like untapping this, this well of invisible energy that we're all sitting on. It's, it unlocks the human potential within all of us. And so there's nothing for the coach to do other than really draw forth that innate resilience in another. At least that's what it looks like to me now. It might look different a week from now or a month from now. <laughs> It's always kind of changing, but that's how it's starting to look to me, Pam. You know, I um, I originally trained as a coach with um, a program that was certified by the International Coach Federation, and I got quite sort of involved and invested in... in me too. <laughs> IPF, yeah. Um, and so one of the um, cornerstones uh, is that I believe that my clients are whole capable, resourceful, and creative. And for me, what I realize now is that I used to see that as aspirational. Mm. Like I believe I can help them get there, which is really different to what I'm hearing you say and what I experience now with my clients, which is I know they are. Like it's not an aspirational thing I hold for them or I believe they can be. No, I know they are. Yeah. And, you know, my job is to stay in that knowing. With Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same here. Like before, those look like skills. They were yes. to, to help them polish their sword, so to speak. They, they look like skills, and now they just look like, well, that's just the, um, that's just what uh, naturally unfolds when people, realize their innate resilience and well-being and wisdom that's just yeah. that's a given yeah and um and that'll bloom and blossom and flower in whatever is uh unique to that beautiful 
flower, tree, gift, whatever, of human being. And, and that's the other really fun part is that, uh, like before, I thought I had to manicure and manage the, uh, the, the fruit tree, so to speak. And, and, and I, I just see it so different now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not, I, and, and I used to really love teaching people skills, and I'm really good at teaching skills, and skills are really fun. But what's more fun is to help people unlock their own wisdom, their own innate resilience, and their own innate well-being. Mm. That, that's, that's, that's really, really where the juice is for me these days. Yeah, I, I, I get the sort of, you know, some days, I, most days, I really pinch myself that I get to do this work, mm. that I get to be with people in, in this way. And I hear that from you too, Greg. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about humor uh, yeah. before, we, before we wrap up here. Yes. Um, you know, I'll just share something briefly with you. I, you know, particularly with this pandemic that's, that's going on and what I call um, uh, forced reflection. And that's really what we're, everybody's kind of, it's a forced reflection, but for, for, I don't know, I can't speak for you. For me, I've been reflective for a very long time. So it's, it's yeah. nothing new for me, but for the average person, they're getting forced to, to kind of reflect. Mm -hmm. And, um, and anyway, so I was looking at, at some point, we're going to look back in my mm -hmm. mind and see humanity going through predictable stages of their quarantine. Mm. And one of the stages that I'm seeing as a possibility of going through is the, both the stage of creativity and the stage of humor. Mm. So anyways, that's your tee up is like, you know, because when wow. people reflect and they come home, I think one of the natural byproducts is creativity and humor and lightheartedness and kindheartedness and more heartful. So humor seems to kind of be part of that having people not taking life so serious and kind of coming back to uh, more playful and, and, and more humor. At least that's what I'm seeing. So uh, yeah, I, take it away, Pam. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, um, oh, this is one of my favorite, favorite things to, to talk about and, and think about is that, you know, it, it looks to me like there's a real misunderstanding about what's helpful when, we have problems and that, you know, like I will often hear leaders that I work with say, you know, stop monkeying around. Let's get serious so we can figure this problem out. And what we actually know from research is that, no, what we need is more monkey, you know, like more monkeying around, please. Because what happens even just when we look from the, from the neuroscience, when we're in that place of laughing, when we think about what humor is, it's reframing. So because we've been able to reframe in that moment, we are now the observer of what's happening and we're having another take on it, another perspective. And even when you look at, you know, what's happening in the brain when that happens is that we're setting the brain up really well with great dopamine hits, you know, we're, we're setting it up really well to be able to hear our ideas and what the neuroscientists would call insights, what you and I might call wisdom or mind. But we're actually really setting things up well for us to be in that place of creativity and even have ideas about 
what we might do next. And it I mean, research even shows that just playing a funny video for a couple of minutes to a team before you have them brainstorm, they'll have more ideas, they'll have more out of the box ideas, and they will feel more connected to each other. So for me, like one of the things that I've been doing with my clients and with my family is to, to ask people what's been funny about what we're in right now. And, you know, people are like, well, should we be laughing about it? You know, when we're really trying, it's a very serious problem. And I'm like, for us as humans to have lightness in this, and that doesn't mean we're not going to pay attention to the things we need to do to keep us safe. Those things can sit together. You know, so for me, like just I wanted to share a couple of funny things. Like it occurred to me the other day that there's an unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like there's all this sort of language that has come in. You know, it's not a new coronavirus. It's novel. You know, like there's just I'm just noticing interesting ways, you know, that we're sheltering in place and, mm -hmm. you know, interesting terms that we've come up with that sort of add a layer of this you know, it, it being just highly serious. And then the other day, my husband woke up and he is somebody who loves animals and critters. Like he just is, you know, really, really always thinking about how the animals are doing and critters. And he said, oh God, I'm, I'm so worried with the coronavirus. And I said, why? What, what's going on? And he said, the pigeons. I said, I'm sorry. He said, well, you know, think about all the pigeons. They normally eat from all the scraps from the parks, you know, and nobody's in the parks. The parks are closed. And, you know, the pigeons just have no food. And, of course, I just fell about laughing. And I said, you know, I'm not sure it's going to make headline news. I don't know, you know, but, you know, but there's just, there's so much funny stuff that's happening for all of us right now in our households. You know, one of my friends said the other day that her family is spending so much time together when they came to eat dinner, they could hear each other chewing because <laughs> they had nothing to say now, you know, like, yeah. so, but there's so much lightness mm -hmm. that's available to us in that can have us um, tap into that, that reframing and that just ability to um, have some relief. Yeah. And to laugh together, you know, I do really believe that the shortest distance between two people is a good laugh. Yeah. That was something Victor Borg said. And I just, I see that and I feel that. Well, it loosens the soil of seriousness, you know, which makes room for creativity to kind of percolate up is what it, it looks like to me. I, I love, I loved your, your saying about um, unprecedented use of the word unprecedented. Unprecedented. <laughs> I love that. And, 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 and like the overuse of the word uncertain times, it's like, yes, every time is uncertain. Uh, exactly. <laughs> I know. It's just like, everybody's like, the other thing that we're all forced into, we're forced into recognizing the truth that it's always uncertain times. We're forced into the truth of always being in a place of not knowing. We're kind of forced into that. We're getting our noses rubbed into that. And the, and the illusion of the bubble of certainty and the illusion of the bubble of knowing is getting popped. And people are having to learn how to really align themselves with a deeper truth that we're, we've always lived in uncertain times. And yeah. We've never known. <laughs> and 
love that, Greg. I just, mm. yeah. And I thank you for letting us end on a, a human note. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been delightful, really delightful, Pam. Thank you so much for, you know, taking some time out and uh, being with me today. I was really looking forward to it and uh, perhaps we can do it sometime. Yeah, my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Thank you.